It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth, you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from MassLive.com, talking with Sam Jam Packard, the Great. I think Sam. I think Sam might still have tears running down his face right now. Just, just tears on his cheeks. After reading Isaiah Thomas's immensely powerful first-person story in the Players' Tribune, just really a a powerful, powerful goodbye to the city of Boston. That hit me right in the feels, man. That was just a an amazing story written by uh, whoever Isaiah Thomas dictated that to, but um, it's. It's like all the reasons why you love uh, Isaiah Thomas, like why the Celtics fans just have completely embraced him over the years. Um, why it's like incredibly kind of sad to see him go. It's just how much he wanted to be a part of Boston sports, how much he kind of understood uh, Boston and understood what it was it meant to be a Celtic. It's just all, all the feels, all the feels of uh, the kind of finding about, about the initial trade came flowing back. And it's just going to be, Real weird to see him in a Cavs uniform, and he's right. He mentioned it in the letter that um, it's going to be very awkward when the Cavs and the Celtics play in the playoffs. So I, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I really don't like the Cavaliers, but I kind of find like it's going to be hard not to root for Isaiah Thomas just because he's like that much of a good dude. Yeah, and I thought the the piece was perfectly Isaiah Thomas. Like everything about it was. I think what separates him and what makes him such such an approachable and relatable superstar, besides the fact that he's 5'9", and obviously people look at his height and think, maybe we can do that. Well, no, you can't. Nobody else's height ever has been able to or probably ever will be able to. But you, you he just the, – the two things, I think, about his personality that, that really make him such, such a, a – fascinating guy and, and such a an easy guy to root for are besides the fact that he plays so hard and all that are 
he he's emotional. Like he he cries and he smiles all the time and he lets you see when he's down and everything like he's impacted by everything. He notices everything. He notices when people call him out. He notices the the criticism. He notices when when people are on his side. He notices, you know, when Boston embraces him. He notices it all. And and despite that, and despite being a very reactive person to all of that, he just keeps going and he keeps trudging forward and he keeps moving forward and he just perseveres through all of it. And and it's 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 very rare that that anybody, let alone a professional athlete of his magnitude, lets you in as much as he does to all those emotions. Whether it's you know his sister passing away, which was a big part of the piece and. Which, if you were human at all, that that really touched you to see how much that meant to him to have Boston on his side the day after his sister passed away in that first game of the NBA playoffs, and like everything about he just it all hits him, and he's very open about everything, like what makes him happy, what makes him sad, what, and he's just so open and honest about it that it's 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 as refreshing as it can be, and I I think that's partly why besides the fact that he just erupted and carried Boston further than anyone anticipated and became better than anyone anticipated that's why Boston loved him is because of all that because he wasn't just some untouchable superstar he was he was in a lot of ways like like the people's superstar and and he was he was emotional and and you felt like you were you were going along the journey with him because of how much he let you see and how much he let everybody in on, and and that piece was it, it, it was it was really powerful. I, I thought everything like from the part where he's talking about Danny Ainge, where he says, you know, Danny said I've been traded, and then he went on about my accomplishments, this that, and I told him you've said enough. Like I don't need to hear this, yada yada. And then we got off the phone, <laughs> like very very. Very few guys would actually give you that detail. And then he said, you know, I wanted to be like Tom Brady. I wanted to be like David Ortiz. He he had dreams of being the Boston superstar, not just a superstar. And that's why it hurt him so much. Like, for the first time, he had felt beloved. And then the team that, that he thought loved him and he thought cherished everything he brought traded him to, the, to its number one rival in the Eastern Conference for another point guard and had to load on the Brooklyn Nets pick and Jay Crowder and Ante Zizic on top of that just to do it. So it hurt. It hurt him, man. And I thought that was like the perfect goodbye, the most Isaiah Thomas goodbye ever, where he he's just human. And and he lets you see everything that's human about him. And, and, and it, it really is a, a cool thing for an athlete, for anybody, any person to do that. Yeah, he's a real one. You know, it's like he always talks about just being a real person, and he would always let that through. And I was trying to explain that to kind of my coworkers today who are not big basketball fans about how you would go into the locker room, and a lot of athletes, you feel like they would put on that robot face of just like, oh, we got to gotta be better in all three phases of the game. It's like they do their best Bill Belichick impression. And Isaiah, you would always like would treat people just like – as humans and was like real with his emotions and how he felt. And it was just, you really got to like, even though I never actually, like, I, I think I've had maybe one conversation with him just like in the hallway, but 
I don't actually know him, but you feel like you do just as a Celtics fan. Like you feel like because he's so raw um, and because he's so um, personal, like you really feel like, you know, man, I think as a Celtics fan um, to go from this team that was tanking, um, Isaiah was really like the, 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 I think Brad Stevens is like the biggest contributing factor, but after that, it's Isaiah Thomas is really the person responsible for this, um, kind of turnaround for the Celtics. He's the reason that they had the chance to sign Al Horford to sign Gordon Hayward. Um, so there's a kind of connection there. And I love that part where he was like, man, a lot, I loved all the use of the F words, but I won't like the part where he's like, man, <laughs> fuck the lottery. Like we're trying to win like basketball games here. That was awesome. Cause you know, that was his actual approach. And it's like, you didn't have championship expectations of the Celtics over the past two years, but he made you kind of believe in the Celtics' greatness again. He believed that he, he made the Celtics great again. I'll give him that credit. Like, he brought them back. Um, and I think uh, the, the way he kind of ended it was perfect is that he kind of – he brought back excitement to um, – excitement about basketball to Boston. And I really think that he's, he's absolutely right that he's going to be – He's not going to be the all-time legend just because there's not enough time there, but he's for a moment in time, he definitely captured the imagination of the kind of the Boston sports fan. And I think he would brought a lot of people back to the Celtics. And I think there's going to be some people, yeah, who just like totally came back because I, they saw Isaiah Thomas play. They saw him score 53. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Points in a playoff game, they've just like... You put all together the whole package that's five nine dude doing all this stuff. He's just like he's he was just damn fun to watch, and it's going to be sad to see him go. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the perfect passage from his story. The whole thing was was really just amazing. Go read it if you haven't already at the Players Tribune. Uh, it's called "This Is for Boston." But I, I thought the perfect passage was the one about his text text message with Tom Brady, and. He starts it off by sharing the text, and it wasn't like that important a text. It was just basically Tom Brady reaching out to Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah Thomas said when he first texted me that it was it hurt because I wanted to be like Tom Brady. I wanted to be a Boston legend like him, David Ortiz, Bill Russell, and then you know it's it said into Isaiah Thomas like I was here in Boston for two and a half years. And Tom fucking Brady is texting me <laughs> to to say he appreciated his time with me and this and that. And and it really was like the connection with Isaiah Thomas with the city of Boston was so unexpected and so deep and so quick that I think in a lot of ways it, it's, it's incredibly rare. And I, I think it, it's one of those like – brief two and a half year spans that it, it'll be kind of t- tough to explain like 20, 30 years from now. Like, Oh yeah. So the Celtics were really terrible. And then they traded for this five foot nine dude 
and he came off the bench the first year, but then he brought him to the playoffs anyway, even though they maybe didn't want to get to the playoffs, they wanted to go to the lottery. Then the year after, they finally decided to start him after three games, and he became an all-star, but like just a borderline all-star. And and then the year after that, he was top five in MVP voting, carried them to the Eastern Conference Finals, even though played through a damaged hip, played a playoff game the day after his sister passed away. Like, his run was two and a half years, just, just ridiculous. Ridiculous what he did compared to expectations. And and it really was, like, from my perspective as someone covering the team, he, he made my job a lot more fun because he was honest, because he was approachable, and because he always brought it. Every single night, you knew Isaiah Thomas was going to bring it. And there are a lot of nights in the NBA season when the games suck and, you know, it's back-to-back, four games or five nights. People, players have gone out the night before or they they just say, screw it, we don't really care about playing the stupid Timberwolves on this Tuesday night in January in the dog days. And there's a lot of sloppy basketball in those dog days. But Isaiah never let that impact him. Like, he always, every single night, even with the hip issue, which impacted him, however long like he always always brought it and and it really made this whole season enjoyable it was it was the season of Isaiah Thomas in a lot of ways for the Boston Celtics and it it's it's cold that they traded him but it's a cold business and I I don't I don't blame Danny Ainge for for trading Isaiah Thomas you can say like he you had him recruit guys and then trade him away. Well, yeah, of course you're going to have him recruit guys while he's there. You don't know you're going to trade him for Kyrie Irving in a, in a, a month and a half. You know that that's not something you 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 realize that that's going to happen. So of course, of course you have him try to recruit top free agents, and of course you you praise what he did. And but I, I do think there's a genuine appreciation for everything Isaiah Thomas did throughout the Celtics organization, like from top to bottom. Those guys were in awe of what he was able to accomplish at that height compared to those expectations through everything he did. And, you know, Anna Horford, Al Horford's sister, tweeted, someday they're going to make a movie about Isaiah Thomas' life and they better not fuck it up because that dude is an inspiration. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, that, that dude really is an inspiration. And it's, in a lot of ways, I, I've had the, the the fan beaten out of me by my job by by doing my job but but you can always appreciate a guy who plays like Isaiah Thomas and and gives it that effort and and kind of has the attitude that he does that that nothing's going to stop him so shout out to him on a hell of a run i feel like on this podcast we haven't spent enough time since the trade talking about what he did for the Celtics so I'm glad he came out with this and gave us a chance to kind of reflect on on everything he brought to the Celtics and everything he did mean to them because without him, they don't have Hayward. They don't have Horford. They, they don't have now Kyrie Irving. So he made all of that possible by by being better than anyone could have ever imagined. So it, it's it's cruel that he's not going to be able to, to see it through with them. Even though he's with the Cavaliers, who are still the best team in the Eastern Conference, and he's with LeBron James, who's the best player in the world, 
but it you you know certainly reading that piece that that a large part of him wishes he were still in Boston still trying to work on his legacy still trying to beat the Cavaliers rather than being one of them yeah, and the, and the last thing I, I really have to add on IT is that it actually was, came out, and it wasn't even from the Players' Tribune article. It was um, Tom Habistro wrote an article about his injury today uh, on ESPN.com. And it, was, it was an interesting article because it was, it was kind of contemplating when did he actually um, hurt the his hip because it doesn't make that much sense that it happened against the Timberwolves, as everyone uh, thinks. But that's kind of besides the point. It was just Habistro was going through his kind of – Isaiah's injury history this past season and then what he did after that. And he's like, oh, yeah, he probably tore his hip against the Rockets. And then in his next 12 games, he averaged 30 points. And then he did this thing against the Timberwolves and his next, he came, like, missed two games. And then he came back and averaged, like, 38 points and, like, beat these number of teams. And it's just, like, the dude just was a warrior who always wanted to play and wanted to get better and wanted to win. And uh, that's just, it's going to be missed and it's just uh, appreciated so um big ups to isaiah i mean he's just gonna be he was an awesome dude uh he deserves all every every all the success in the world now so, someone who's trying to achieve more success hi you've reached the high fashion hotline hi my family's going to a tailgate and i want our style to stand out from the crowd just go to old navy old navy yep old navy's got all the latest fall styles plus during old navy's colossal sale you'll save up to 50 percent off store wide did you say up to 50 percent off i did so don't sit on the sidelines old navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks stylish dresses from 15 bucks and comfy tees for the family from just six bucks right now at old navy and old navy.com we're cheering for old navy high fashion old navy valid 10 2 to 10 10 select styles only now is Marcus Smart. So Marcus Smart came out today, and it's we're still a few weeks away from media day. We're still a few weeks away from training camp. So it's a little early for Weight Watch, NBA Weight Watch, but Marcus Smart, a little ahead of schedule. <laughs> a little ahead of schedule, said he lost 20 pounds this summer and revealed that he was 240 pounds last year, which is a lot. And I... I Obviously, he looks like a linebacker. He's built very thickly. 240 pounds is a lot for a, a guard to carry. That, and shedding weight could be huge for him, I think. He needed to become more explosive. He needs to be a better finisher. So who knows how much impact it will have. Who knows <laughs> shit, Who knows if he's telling the truth that he's lost 20 pounds. But like, he's a guy who needs to become a better finisher. He needs to be better at putting the ball in the basket and if he can gain any explosiveness and even become average offensively it it will help him so much and turn him into such a such an impact player so what what do you think of the new marcus smart as he called himself i i mean there was like some rumblings about this at the end of last year i know tommy heinson like mentioned it on one of the broadcasts but like where the hell was marcus smart hiding like the additional 35 pounds like there's just no way this dude weighed 240 pounds and i like i just don't understand i know he's like a thick dude or like a strong dude but like it just makes no sense to me and maybe if this can help him be get like a little faster a little more explosive i'm all for it but i just like yeah like i'm pretty sure i saw someone tweet out that uh if he was 240 pounds he weighed more last year than tristan thompson did like, that is absolutely absurd. And maybe that's the reason why 
he can like play such good post defense and they're like maybe that's just like his strength comes from um all that extra weight i don't, I just don't know where he's hiding it. is it all in his ass like why do we not see the 240 pound frame um also how do you play an entire basketball season at that weight at that size it's just a it doesn't add up to me. This, I feel like this has to be made up, and just uh, I'm not buying it. Uh, until I see him step on a scale, I guess he's the, if he steps on a scale now, he'd be 220 pounds, and there'd be nothing to prove. I don't know. I need some. I need some better facts than just Marcus Smart claiming that he was 240 pounds last year. Because right now, the figures don't add up, add up to me. I, I think he looked big. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have guessed 240 pounds, but but he's a naturally big dude, and and he clearly had a a little excess weight on him. I, I I just think you see it most when he goes to the hoop. He's he's one of the least explosive guards at the rim in the entire league. At, at least guards that that play a lot of minutes and are good basketball players. Uh, so you know if he can improve his finishing from forty eight point eight percent within three feet, then then that's big. If if he can draw more free throws than three point two per game. Then that's big, and every free throw is going to help this year because obviously Hayward will help in that sense, but Irving doesn't draw as many free throws as Isaiah Thomas, and I think you know the the Celtics they weren't great at drawing free throws last year. Obviously, it's a, it's a brand new team, but I I think this is a big year for Marcus Smart, and I I think because of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and how excited people are about those guys. I think Marcus Smart's potential for development really gets overlooked. And and I understand why. Like he shot basically 36% from the field in each of his first three years. He's shown some playmaking development, but in a lot of ways his his offense has, has stalled out, his shooting has stalled out. Um he hasn't made those those strides that, that you would have wanted him to. But now it's it's the last year of his rookie contract. He's playing for money. He he must realize that Avery Bradley's gone, so they're going to need him to guard quicker guys like like John Wall on a more consistent basis. He he must realize that that there's a lot of a lot of potential, a lot of opportunity on on this team with with such a young team. There there might be a starting spot open for grabs, and. And there's a lot of opportunity there if, if if he does go get it. So I think Marcus Smart is – I think his development will go a long way toward determining how successful the Celtics are this season. I think Gordon Hayward's going to be great and Kyrie Irving's going to be great and Al Horford's going to be great. And maybe those guys take a while to fit together. But but it's the other guys, I think, that, that will kind of shape how good the Celtics are, whether it's Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Terry Rozier, uh, Marcus Moore, like a lot of guys that are either new and or young and are kind of just building their, their roles for themselves. And, and they're going to need a lot because they lost a lot of good basketball players from last year. And I think they have, they definitely have more talent at the top, but, but elsewhere, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of minutes that will be played by, by guys who, haven't done it before. Marcus Smart has done it before, but I do think there, there's there's another level out there for him to reach, especially with explosiveness and finishing and obviously shot making. But it's not just shot making from outside the arc. 
Like, everyone looks at his three-point shooting. Everyone wants him to stop shooting threes. Well, inside the arc is just as big a problem. Like, getting to the hoop is just as big a problem. The inability to break down bigs who switch onto him is just as big a problem. All those things could be helped by shedding 20 pounds, even though though (laughs) Jam Packard is a Marcus Smart weight-shedding truther. I, hey man, I'm not going to. I'm not going to buy everything they just the, the the media feeds to me. The people like you just, you know, it's just not. I need I need some facts and figures. I need some hardcore evidence before I buy into it. But you're right, Marcus Smart. If he has uh, gets more explosive, um, and uses that to kind of improve his finishing around the rim, it's definitely going to be something that's uh, kind of needed as part of his development. Because right now, you're right. He showed some flashes as a playmaker last year, but that was really passing. Um, in the pick and roll, never really finishing, never really getting to the hoop. Um, he just needs to become a more dynamic scorer, and of course that involves his um, outside shooting. Uh, but you're right; it's a big, it's a contract year for him. He's going to be restricted free agent. It's going to be a huge year for him, just given the kind of the guard depth that Celtics have right now. So, you know, I'm excited for I'm excited for the new skinny Marcus Smart. As long as he still has the combat muscles, I'm good to go. Combat muscles for Marcus. Combat muscles for Ojale. Combat muscles for Yabusele, and and a combat attitude for for, for, for Aaron Baines, you know. So a, a lot of guys on this squad that are new, and and re- reading that piece from Isaiah Thomas, and I know it was just a story. It was it was just words from a dude who was going to be playing for another team, but it it hit. It hit you once more that the Celtics, they don't have their identity anymore. Like, they were the underdog. They were the scrappy team. They were the team that always had a chip on its shoulder and felt disrespected no matter what. Now, I don't know what they are. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they'll, you know, hop on Kyrie's back and Gordon Hayward will be fantastic and Al Horford will make everybody's life easier and everything goes well, but... Just, I don't know what the Celtics are right now. And and that's kind of exciting for the Celtics because they have a lot of talent. But it's also, I think, a little little nerve-wracking because there's just so much new going on. And, and they lost so much attitude, so much of what made them who they were the past few years. And I know at some point, like, you can't always be that plucky little team that that can't do it against Cleveland, but can beat everybody else. But there's there was also honor in that plucky team, and and there was beyond honor. It was fuck honor. I don't even know why I mentioned honor. <laughs> <laughs> but but there there was like like they they knew what to expect from that team, and now now I don't know what I don't know what to expect. I just know that. Every time Isaiah Thomas comes on the Players Tribune, that shit is real, man. <laughs> Isaiah is one of the realest, one of the realest. So, shout out to him, shout out to us. Give us a five-star rating. Search for us Locked On Celtics if you don't subscribe to us already. Subscribe to us, give us a five-star rating, all that. If you want to advertise on our on our podcast, which would be fantastic. Line my money with pockets, please. Email us at lockedonceltics at gmail.com. Just just send us a note, explain a little bit about yourself. That'd be cool. Regular season, like 
little more than a month away. Preseason, less than a month away. Basketball is coming. But right now, today, take a step back. Isaiah, his press conference, Isaiah Thomas, his press conference is going to be powerful tomorrow, too. I'm excited to hear what Jay Crowder says about it, too. So, we'll see. There, there's, there will be more, more nuggets from those guys, more, more words from them about the trade and about their opportunity in Cleveland, about what they feel for Boston. So, stay tuned. This is the end of this podcast, the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.